Welcome this morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us. Uh, we wanted to uh, continue this morning in the theme that we started last week. We called home improvement. And honestly, with this time when we're all in our homes so much more than we normally are, we thought, what better a time than for us to think over these next few weeks about what life at home looks like. And marriage is part of that. And we want to sort of explore all aspects of, of, of life at home over these weeks. Um, you know, marriages don't just affect the couple that's married, but they affect, obviously, children. Um, many of you have either been or you will go in the future to weddings, and you'll celebrate and you'll cheer on a couple that's getting married, in a sense, give your commitment to supporting them. And so we felt like it's really important that all of us know a little bit about what God's design for marriage is and what His plan is for us, and hopefully during this time when we're confined, in a time when marriages are strengthened, that we'll actually understand a bit about what God's design is for marriage in whatever situation or setting that we're in. And so we understand what His purposes are, and that we'll start to learn about what His plan is, plan is even in some areas that might surprise us a little bit, right? Right. Well, so Colin and I, we've been married for almost 24 years this mm-hmm. coming June. And in that time, we have moved internationally twice. We've, we've lived in three states. We've lived in 10 houses. We've had three children. We've had job changes. We've had ups and downs. We've had parents who passed away we, that we've buried. We've had um, travel all over the world. We've done lots of different things. And now we're experiencing our first global pandemic. First one together. First one, yeah. yeah. So, um, but when we first got married, we had no clue what was ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the um, biggest challenges we faced was about three months before our, our wedding, our marriage almost didn't happen over this. Um, yep. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but we, I was assigned the task by Liz of completing the addresses on our uh, envelopes for our wedding invitations, right? It was something that I could do. It was not a lot, really, to It wasn't ask. that hard. No. But I started to write the, the names and addresses out on the envelopes. And I would do what I think any of you would do. No. You know, if I'm sending a, 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 an envelope to Chase and Erica Bertrand, I would write, you know, hi, Chase and Erica, by the way. I would write, like, Chase... And, and I would use the little ampersand signal symbol, right? You know what that is, right? Maybe we throw that slide up there so you know what, uh, know what we're talking about here. But Liz felt that I should actually, instead of doing the symbol for, for and, I should actually write out the letters A-N-D because so many people look at that, right? And they don't understand it. Unless Listen, it's... this was a big <laughs> issue. This was a big issue because, you know, I was like, what kind of person am I marrying? I mean, this was, this was a big issue because, you know. My thoughts exactly, was, by the way. Does he not care about etiquette? Does he not care about the correct way to address an envelope? And I'm, and it, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I'm about to commit to spending the rest of my life. With a guy that can't. With like, a guy who's so lazy that he can't put in two extra characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had hardly anything to do for the wedding. Right. That was the only job. And then I'm think, starting to think, okay. I did live is, in a different country. There's yeah, that. But, but like he had this job. And then it made me think, okay, so he, and he, and he was adamant that it had to be Ampersand. And I was adamant that it had to be Anne. And it started to like raise up all these big questions. Maybe we were making a mistake. Maybe this wasn't a compatible. Maybe he doesn't have what it takes to be my husband and I and and, and, and is this going to be one of those things that like down the line I look back and go wow what did I get myself into yeah I think eventually I submitted because I'm the bigger well anyway we'll just uh, 
<laughs> we'll go on. I submitted. Let's just say it that. It was a big issue. It was a big issue. Um, definitely. But because we come into marriage for a lot of reasons, and a lot of times we come in with this view of what our marriage is going to be like. And we, we come in with different goals and dreams and desires that we want for our lives. Like, you know, and, and, and then and we're and we, we hoping that by going into marriage, that that person is going to be able to provide for us all of the answers for all those hopes, dreams, and desires. And those things turn into expectations, right? Um, and so, and then when, when those expectations aren't met or exceeded, then we're left feeling disappointed and, tr- and shortchanged. So we're going to be talking today about the difference between a transactional marriage or and a transformational marriage. Because a transactional marriage, it views it as like your success in your marriage is measured by whether or not that person meets or exceeds your expectation. And if you, it, in a transactional marriage, we can often feel really disappointed. Yeah, and so uh, well, if we were to look at our, our marriages as just a transaction, I get what I want to get out of the marriage, and she gets what she wants to get out of the marriage, the tangible or intangible things, uh, we look... Instead, we believe God wants us to look to our, to our marriage for what transformational power there can be as a result of trusting in Him and, and, and listening to His ways for, our, for all of our relationships, really. In fact, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, uh, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And it's talking about any human relationships. When we come into a relationship with another follower of Christ, there's that opportunity for us to sharpen one another's uh, walk with God, to strengthen one another, to be accountable to one another, to encourage. That's why it's so important that we, uh, we, we bring around us people who will spur us on towards love and good deeds, as God's Word says, is that we encourage one another to, do, to be the people that God's called us to be. And so with that idea of sharpening one another, uh, one writer said that the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy, but it's to make you holy. And God uses marriage as one of the tools he uses to make us more like Jesus. So the purpose here is that we sharpen one another and that we become more like him. Yeah, so have any of you guys seen one of these? This is a magnifying mirror. My mom got me one of these. And uh, you open it up. And actually, on one side, it's just a regular, regular mirror, so you can kind of see yourself in a regular mirror. This one actually has a light, so it even lights things up. How about that? And, so all the blemishes. Yes, you can see. And then on the other side, you flip it over, and voila, voila, you have a... French. A, a, yes, very French. Um, you have a magnifying mirror. Whoa, that, like, you can see all the details. And marriage can sometimes be like a magnifying mirror. Hopefully this isn't screwing up the camera here, but um, you, you know, it's like a magnifying mirror that literally exposes everything about us. It's also flashing. It's flashing. I'll turn this light off. Um, It exposes everything about us. It helps us see ourselves way more clearly. And sometimes if if you didn't like yourself before you got married, you're not going to like yourself after you get married because having someone in your life like that helps you see yourself really, really clearly. And the thing about marriages is that in our nature, we're selfish. We want things for ourselves. And, and you bring someone else into your life that, that's that close. And it exposes your selfishness. It exposes the, the way. And, and it gives you so many opportunities to actually practice putting, laying down your will for someone else. And that practice of doing that 
and, it, it, and you start to see that selfishness and start to lay that down, practicing that, practicing serving, practicing lo- loving selflessly, practicing giving, it makes you more giving, makes you more selfless, makes you more loving, and helps shape you into more of the person that God's actually called us to be. And honestly, I'm not the person, thank God, I'm not the person that I was when we first got married. I feel like over time, having Colin, who's a safe person, who I know loves me unconditionally, be able to help me see a reflection of who I am, it's helped me to be able to see those areas of my life where I was putting my will over everyone else and giving me a chance to, to, um, to really work on growing into a a person who can love more and love more selflessly. And that is really the, one of the purposes of marriage is to actually help us to become the, the people that God has called us to be. Yeah, so within that, couples have the opportunity to not see marriage just as a means to get happy, but to become holy, to, to, to see our rough edges um, knocked off so that we can become more like Christ. Let me bring a bit of uh, scripture into this. Seems like a good idea. Uh, it's uh, Sunday morning, and uh, here we are at church, so opening the Bible shouldn't be a bad thing. But th- think of the first family, the first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve. Uh, God placed them in the Garden of Eden, and then God says to Adam in Genesis 2, uh, verse 18, he says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they will become one flesh. You know, I really like what, uh, want to point out what he said in verse 18 there about that. God says, I will make a suitable helper for him. And this word is, uh, is that we see, I will make a suitable helper, could be something that we really easily under- misunderstand. Because when we think of helper, we think of the maid or, or, or you know, an assistant or someone to do some cleaning or some yard work or something like that. But I don't think that's what God's original intent was. And in fact, if you translate that, if you look at the translation of that word helper from the ancient Hebrew that the Bible was written in, um, it's a word easy, E-R, or easer, which definitely is a word of somebody that comes alongside an equal somebody that comes alongside to bring out strength in the other partner. And the, the word is often translated in some parts of the Scriptures as a warrior, or like a co-warrior, somebody to do battle with. So we're not looking for somebody to fight. When I say do battle with, I mean not to do battle against. That happens sometimes. But, um, but, but to go into this battle of life with together. And to, that's the kind of helpers that God has called marriage partners to be to one another. Another word that I want to bring out in this passage of Scripture is in, is in uh, uh, Genesis 2, verse 24. And it, talk, it says, you know, for this reason, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, you've got the beginnings of a new family right here. This is something that we learned from our good friends, Roy and Karen, who lead some uh, marriage, uh, marriage and parenting classes that we've been on before. And uh, uh, they, they talked about this in their marriage class, and they said that, that uh, when a couple, when, when, a, when a, a guy leaves his father and mother to join with his wife, 
He's basically leaving one family. He's leaving his family of origin that he grew up in, he's been a part of, his mum's cooking, all the rest of it. He's leaving all of that and he's becoming one with his wife. At that point, a new family begins. So for those of you who are either young couples or maybe you've never had children and you just thought, oh, if only we were a family or maybe one day we're going to be, have kids and be a family, I want to let you know you are a family. You too are what God calls a family, kids or no kids, because there's that, that, that removal from the family of origin and the starting of a new family when a couple comes together and they become one flesh. You hear that word? Become. God is taking two individuals, two separate entities, and he's, he's making them one. Not, he's, not, he's not making one join the other or one join the other, but he's making a new family that's created. And so marriage isn't, um, now marriage isn't the only way that, that, uh, that relationships get to strengthen one another uh, happen. In, in, in all of our Christ-centered relationship, there's relationships, there's an opportunity for us to grow and to be more like Christ as we become one. This scripture was written for everyone in Romans 12. And it says this, this is an encouragement to all of us, married, single, divorced, whatever kind of demographic you would be in. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. And um, like I said, this was written for for everybody. This is an encouragement to anyone who's in Christ-centered human relationships. Tim Keller adds a little bit of extra commentary to this verse. And he says this, If any two unrelated Christians are to provoke each other towards love and goodness and they're to affirm each other's gifts and hold each other accountable to grow out of their sins, how much more should a husband and a wife do that? If your mutual goal is transformation and how God's going to use your life on His mission together, then you'll continue to journey together into the future that God's called you towards. The goal is transformation and happiness is like a byproduct of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to give, we want to leave us with uh, four practical takeaways, things that you can do to help you move from a transactional marriage into a transformational marriage. And so the first one is this, we want to move from neglect to priority. We want to move from neglect to priority, making your marriage a priority. And this is um, something that it's very easy to put your marriage on the back burner, especially, I mean, there's so many, dis, um, sometimes more loud, needing distractions, like children. We have three, we have three, yeah. la- three of those. But like, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, especially for those families that have young kids, I mean, that can be a season where they can be the ones that take up more, more of your priority, more of your time, more of your focus than your marriage does. But I want to encourage and challenge you, those who are married, those who have children, um, do not let your children become the priority over your marriage. Because honestly, a, a strong marriage is actually the best thing you can give to your children. And putting your, and it's kind of like that idea of like putting on the, the mask, uh, when the, not, not, not the masks we're wearing around town now, but the, the mask that drop down from an airplane when, they, when the pressure goes that way and there's not enough oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Put the oxygen mask on you first before you assist others. And so it's so important to put your marriage as a priority and to take care of your marriage first before you're take, taking care of family and other people in your life because um, you know your, care, your kids will grow up and move out but you'll be stuck with that person for the rest of your life. Stuck with. Stuck. Yeah. For that. Well, yeah. you want to be stuck. Uh, stuck in a good way. But
but um, but that, but honestly, that's what you know. That's what you're gonna be. That's the thing that's gonna last in your life. That that's what that marriage vow means. And so um, you want to make your marriage a priority. Yeah, prioritizing your marriage rather than neglecting it is kind of like uh, owning a home. And we're talking about home improvement. And there's so many things when you own a home that you, you have to decide: does that job need fixing, or does it not? And the way I've always uh, looked at jobs around the house is, is if I don't do that job now, is it going to cause me bigger trouble later because I neglect it? And so if there's a few brick pavers that are starting to sink, well, that's probably not going to affect much else in the home. But there's other things in our home that if we don't deal with them soon, then it will be worse later. So for instance, we had a situation once where um, the caulking behind the sink was starting to fray and starting to just kind of uh, pull away, pull away yeah. mm-hmm. and not be any use anymore. And then, so every time somebody turned on the faucet, a little bit of water uh, splashed back there and a, the tiniest bit of water would get back there. And I remember knowing that this was the situation. And, oh, yeah, it was years. And, and we knew. <laughs> not dealing with we it. We knew. But uh, <laughs> when it came time for the plumber to work on something uh, underneath this, the, the kitchen sink in that cabinet that nobody wants to go to and it's filled with you Actually, know, there was a smell, bags. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it was a smell. What you realize is that, <laughs> is that the entire piece of, of drywall that's behind that cabinet is completely rotted. And, you know, the cabinet has to come out and a whole bunch of mess uh, takes place because I neglected something rather than prioritizing. And so we've learned the importance of prioritizing our relationship even over our, our global uh, relationship as a, as, a, as a family, as the Hartfields of the five of us, or six including the dog, but, um, and he takes up time. But we, we recognize the time to pull away and get time each day just to spend time with each other. Even if it's just for a few minutes at the end of the day, just sitting on the sofa, just talking, checking in, seeing how we're doing. There's, there's, there's great value to doing that, to doing a weekly date. I want to encourage couples that, that don't do this to get significant time. For us, sometimes it's just a drive in the car outside of the home to get away. But even yesterday, I said to our kids, how about you guys work on creating a date for mum and dad? Yes. Because you, because we can't <laughs> go on them right now or have them like we normally do. Uh, like, how about you cook the meal? You plan the evening. If they're watching right now, don't forget that we, you know, we suggested yep, we're this. we're counting on that. <laughs> okay, so, and then the other thing is, how about an annual time to get away for at least a night, at least a day and a night at a hotel or somewhere far from home where you pull away on your own? And every year that we've done this, and we try to do it even more frequently than that as it's become more possible, to try and get some time away Again, outside of family responsibilities, outside of work, outside of email and, and you know, cell phones and everything else. Shut all that so stuff that, off. So that we just get time to commit to one another. And even praying and seeing, okay, God, let's just like breathe here for a minute and see what is it that you're calling us to. Where do we need to get back on track? I talked for a long time. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's great. Well, that uh, brings us to our second, uh, second point is to, to move from a tug of war into a relay race. Now, a tug of war is basically a, a, a game or a contest where you, you know one person pulls on one side, the other person pulls on the other side, and the person who wins is the one who's able to pull the other person down, is able to pull the other person to their side. The problem with, t- uh, with a view of marriage as a tug of war is that it, in order to win, someone has to lose. In order to win, the other person has to go down, has to 
pull your way. And a lot of times we'll approach marriage like a tug of war. And it's all about like, you know, if, you know in, especially in arguments or conflict, it's like, I want to get the last word in. I want to be the one who wins this. And, I'm usually better at arguing. And honestly, right? actually, he's better at arguing. Now, it doesn't mean that he's right. He might be better at arguing. But, and, and so it, it's Unless you want to talk about ampersands. Um, yeah. So, you know, but be careful about that because the thing about, the truth about a tug of war in marriage is that when one person loses, the whole marriage loses. If one of us loses, we lose because we're all on the same team. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is your easer. Your spouse is the person who's your warrior alongside, who's there to help you to accomplish your life, who's there to help you, to spur you on, to become the person that God's called you to be. And if you view them as the enemy, as you, as the opponent who you need to beat and win, then you are losing in marriage. You're, you're the one who will suffer from it. And so instead, I want to encourage us to view marriage as a relay race. As in, a, in a relay race, the person who wins is the team who works together. Is the t- it, and if one person succeeds, the other person succeeds. And so when we view marriage, when we're spurring each other on, when we want to see the best in that person, when we're like looking at ways that we can serve each other, mutually serving each other so that we can accomplish in our lives the things that we that are possible, then we win. A a win for him is a win for me. And that's what I want to encourage us to move from a tug of war to a relay race. What would it be like if we saw uh, 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 fights and our conflicts as an opportunity for the marriage to win? That that hits on the most stubborn person in the marriage at all times. Is that me or you? Um, Well, let's not get into that right right. now. (laughs) uh, But the toughest person who's going to have to handle that is the most stubborn person in the marriage. And that's, that's me most of the time. But like, uh, see? Um, and, uh, but what if it was like, if, if during those situations we see, what if it would be like, what would it be like for the marriage to win in this debate or this conflict? Let me read some verses from Ephesians 5. Because I want you to see the, uh, the metaphor that marriage is um, and gets us an opportunity to see God's bigger plan for what he's doing with humanity. And then he wants to show us what he's doing by using marriage as a picture. But I think it can still teach us some stuff. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, far from a, a tug of war, Christ is wanting, Christ's goal is for his, his bride, which we see in scriptures as being the church. We see the church as the bride of Christ. And isn't that an incredible thing? Just to pause for a second. I don't know if you've ever even known or noticed that in scripture, that, that, that Jesus is talked about as being the groom and the church is talked about as being the bride uh, until our final consummation, our final unity, which will take place. And so Christ is in the process of, of making us holy so that, we can, so that a spotless and pure bride can be presented to him. So anything from a tug of war, uh, that's the, the complete opposite, isn't it? That's the, the, the work that God is doing with his church today. He's wanting to purify us. He's wanting to make us holy, married or not married, so that we as his bride can be presented to our groom for eternity. Yeah, yeah. So um, the number three is we, let me go re, uh, review. So we want to move from neglect to priority. We want to move from tug of war to relay race. And the third thing is we want to move from conflict to communication. And so 
communicate, sometimes when we have conflict, a lot of times it's like there's a wall going up and, you know, one person is just pushing out their talk and the other person's not receiving it. And so, but we want to move from conflict to communication where we can hear each other, we can learn from each other, we can work through and move, and move past our stuck spots. And so we want to give you a, a four quick questions that you can, I encourage you to write these down and when you have your time together, Ask these questions to each other. It'll help reveal some things and hopefully help you understand each other more. So the first one is, what are we doing well? Number one, what are we doing well? This is a question that hopefully will help you to um, celebrate what, what's going on well and affirm each other in that. Uh, what could I do better? What, what I think I could do better. Now, remember, I didn't say what I think you could do better, but this is a, a, ch- a chance for me to uh, have a chance to do some self-reflection and you know, here's where I think I have room for improvement. Um, and so um, sharing, sharing, giving, giving some feedback on that. Um, what are you doing well? This is a chance for you to affirm your spouse and be able to say to them, these are the things that I see in you. These are the things that I recognize that you're doing that I appreciate. And to, to give that kind of affirmation, that's really healing and great for a marriage. Uh, the, the fourth thing is, is what I need from you. Now, um, this is one of those things that I sometimes will make huge assumptions that Colin can read my mind and he knows what I need. And there's been some huge conflicts and tensions that we've had over the years because I'm like upset and I'm stirring and boiling over something thinking, well, surely he knows what I, what I want. He knows what I need. And he has no clue why I'm so upset. Uh, so it's in, I've heard it One said, might that, say he's clueless, yeah. <laughs> he's clueless, but, um, so let's not play games here. Let's like, you know, I've heard it said, uh, healthy people ask for what they need. And so, uh, let's do what we can to share with your partner, to share with your spouse. These are the things that I need. And, and don't play guessing games, but actually spell it out so that they know if they, and don't make us put them in a place where they have to assume a lot of things. And as a final thought on that point, that phrase, healthy people ask for what they need, that can help you in your workplace, in your family, in school. If you're the sort of person that, that likes to sit in a corner and, and hope to be asked or hope to be, uh, that somebody knows what you need, most of the time they don't because like you, they're thinking about their own needs. So that, to, to learn what it is to ask for what you need is a, is a, is a step of growth, isn't it? Absolutely. And the fourth thing is, is we want to move from the surface to the root. Um, sometimes we'll see, well, when we experience conflict, we'll often see what's on the surface and we'll try to deal with that, but we never get to the work to the root, but true transformation happens from the inside out. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, like a weed. And we're going to put up a little picture here of this weed. This is what I would call an anger weed. We don't always see the root of what's behind it. And we want to pull it out, but we don't get to the root and it just keeps coming back over and over again. And, and when there, we're going to call this an anger weed. When there's anger, there's always something else that's going on beneath. Um, it, some, anger is a symptom. It's not a root. It's a symptom. And it can surface in a lot of different ways. It can surface in things like anxiety, in bitterness, in depression, in resentment, in avoidance, in withdrawal or acting out. But underneath anger are some roots that come from unmet needs and wants. And um, we have these expectations of what we need in our marriage. We have these things that we we need um, and we wanted our marriage to look like. But now down the line, it doesn't look like what we dreamed or we had hoped for or we needed. And And the root is based on one of three of these things. It could be, the root could be uh, fear, it could be frustration, or it could be hurt. 
And so it's so important that we can identify what is the root behind the anger. You're going to go a lot farther in resolving conflict and being able to, to address a problem when you identify what's behind that anger. And so an example is even just this last few weeks, I've noticed that with our kids and within our home, I've been like, kind of stirred up and, you know, it looks like, ang- it looks like anger. I would say it was anger over, you know, like I've been watching the kids and like, you know, seeing, you know, them uh, <laughs> washing hands, the hand washing thing, you know, and I've been like kind of policing the, how many seconds are we washing our hands for? And, you know, like I listen to the, the water and I'm like, is that really 20 seconds? Did they sing the song all the way through? <laughs> and, um, and honestly, and I'm like, getting kind of angry, getting kind of stirred up, getting kind of anxious. And I'm like raising my voice and snapping back at them and snapping back at you. And like, you know, why are your shoes on in the house? And like all these little things. And it looks like anger. It looks like, like I'm being crazy here. Right. But, um, but what's really going on behind all that anxiety and anger is fear. Fear is the root. I'm afraid of someone getting sick. I'm afraid of spreading this illness. I'm afraid of what could happen if we lose someone or if someone gets hurt. So fear is the root. But looking at the symptoms, you'd think, wow, like, you know, I'm not sure how to address that. But when you get down to the root, when you get down to what's behind it, what is the fear, naming it, then you're able to go a lot further. And so I would encourage you to, you know, if that's something that you've identified that's been happening in your home, and I know that, you know, in this time when we've had all this time together, some of this stuff has been amplified even more because we're having so much time together and and things are surfacing and we're seeing all these symptoms on the surface, but we don't really know what's going on down, down below. So maybe asking your spouse a question of what are some of the ways that I've caused fear, frustration, or hurt? And then listen and be open to listening to what those answers could be. Um, this is a tool, this question is a tool that we can, can be used to help you identify some of those symptoms. So these are four things that we wanted to give to you this morning as uh, just just ways to move from that transactional to transformational marriage. Um, and I know some of these are tough. And the great thing about us being online here is that you and I get to go back at any point and open up Facebook or open up the Anthem website or YouTube and take a look at this message again if it helps just to remind yourself. So you didn't take any notes, no problem. But there's a fifth thing that I want to offer as a challenge to couples. And uh, this one's a bit of a big one. And so uh, this is kind of not for the faint-hearted, but it's a lot of fun as well. Over the next five weeks, we are going to offer an online group that we're calling Vertical Marriage, and it's going to take place on a Thursday night, and it's going to give a, a little bit of time each of those five evenings uh, just, to, just to strengthen couples in their marriage. Whether you feel like the, the boat is rocking right now and things aren't going well, um, or you feel like, well, we're pretty strong, I feel like this five-week experience could be a fun, enjoyable, and strengthening uh, opportunity to strengthen our marriages. I told you that there's been um, two couples that have, imp- or some couples that have impacted our marriage and uh, the, whose, whose input we've uh, received and whose marriages we've watched over the years. One couple is our friends, Roy and Karen, and another couple is our friends, Dave and Ann Wilson. And they've created some material uh, uh, for this vertical marriage uh, group. And I want you to watch this right now. And couples, take a close look at this because I think you might be inspired just to join us over these next five weeks for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Watch this. We're pretty honest. <laughs> and we're also really raw. It's because we talk about our struggles and the pain we've been through. You're trying to find your happiness from your spouse and you don't find it there. 
These are men, and I'm looking for my husband. This Good. one's really tall, and this one has lots of hair. Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. Of all the men in the world, I choose you. But then we're married a while, and suddenly, I didn't notice before, but you have this brown leaf. So we're going, I think, this is awesome. Jesus is with me. But then I start going the same places that I always went, and Jesus is like, no, I got this. Like, I know where to go. And it's my job to fix you because something's wrong with you. You think, yeah, I want my spouse to change. <laughs> then our marriage could work. And I'm telling you, don't go there. What would it look like if I allowed him to be in total and complete control? All right, Lord, I give you everything. It's all good for a while, right? But then it's like, wait, you don't talk. You don't listen. You don't lead. You don't pray. You don't spend time with the boys. You don't do all these things. Me, no, 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 I never said that I would go there. No, you know, I'm going to help you. Let me help you, Jesus. I'm trying to get this thing. Like, Lord, no, no, like, don't do that. Like, no, here, I'm going to help you. And, <laughs> have you ever done this? We're trying to find life horizontal from a person, from an amount of money, from a, from a job, from a thing. But we're actually looking in the wrong place. We have to take our eyes off of each other and say, okay, God, I want to find life from you. And let me tell you, when you do vertical marriage the way God designed marriage, I'm telling you, it can change your entire legacy. Yeah, uh, I, th I think you agree with me. It's just an encouraging couple that wants to bring strength to marriages, and they've done it for thousands of couples over the last a couple of decades. Dave was actually the, the chaplain for the Detroit Lions uh, for the last 30 years, although it didn't help a whole lot, apparently, um, and uh, should have been doing this more. But no, he's done, done a ton of work in supporting and helping couples. And so it's going to be a simple uh, one-hour evening. Uh, we're going to get together uh, on Zoom for a few minutes, get to know one another a little bit, and then uh, watch about a 25 to 30-minute video from them and just have a few discussion questions about it each each night, and then that's it. But we think it's just a small addition to the way that we invest in our marriage that we believe could, be, uh, could have exponential help over the years. So I'm praying that as we continue on this home improvement journey, we want to look at everything, marriage, singleness, parenting, uh, families in, in general. And so I pray that you'll tune in to this content and tune into this experience because we're all at home right now. We're all experiencing the same thing, and we're all experiencing a little bit of stress, a little bit of um, uh, strenuous times in our homes that we want God's presence in our home. Even if you don't even know fully what that is, I want to encourage you, just take a small step towards asking God to, to interrupt your home life with his presence in some way. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for... Um, for what you've done in our, in our marriages, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we don't walk through this life um, on our own, but we, we know that a, a, a marriage that truly is transformation, that's transformational is a marriage that looks to you, that, that, is, um, that involves you in our marriage, Lord. We know that, that you are the true source of power and strength in order to live out these days, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that we would invite you into our lives, that we would not uh, keep you 
out and keep you distant, Lord, but we know that you are the source of strength. You are the source of wisdom. You are the source of love. You are love. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that for each uh, each person who's watching this today, Lord, that they would have a greater sense of your love in, in their lives, that they would know that they are deeply loved by you, and Lord, that they know, and they would know that you make your love available to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.